Welcome to Harlem Capital's More Equity podcast. We're so happy you're here. My name is Melody Hom, and I lead community and platform at HCP. This season, I have the privilege of speaking with five incredible Latina luminaries. Venture capital funding for Latino businesses has had a disappointing trajectory since its peak in 2018. Latino founders get only 2% of VC funding, with only four-tenths of a percent going to Latino women. That's why we believe it's imperative to invest in this growing yet mighty community that's committed to paving the path for others. More Equities Latino Luminaries takes you through the journeys of five women building world-changing businesses across the United States and Latin America. From their unconventional career paths to the nitty-gritty of fundraising, they share how they're pursuing their dreams and serving as a lighthouse for the next generation. Hope you enjoy the conversations as much as I did. In today's episode, we get to sit down with Angela Acosta, the founder and CEO of Morado, a vertical SaaS platform for LATAM's beauty salon industry. After cutting her teeth and climbing the ranks at Rappi, Colombia's first unicorn, Angela found the courage to start her own business, even becoming a certified manicurist along the way. Today, Morado commemorates a year since launch, operating across 100 cities in Colombia with power player investors, including Tiger Global, Andreessen Horowitz, and QED. Take a listen. Welcome to the More Equity Podcast at Harlem Capital, Angela. Thank you, Melody. Super happy to be here. Yes, we're so delighted that you could join us. I know you're uh, joining us from Mexico, but you normally are based in Bogota, Colombia. Um, would love to hear your background and, and you know the kind of family upbringing you had. Obviously, you have been in the startup landscape for your entire career, but I'm curious if your kind of origins and your roots allowed you to be so risk-taking um, and courageous in your career. That's that's an amazing question. And, and, and yeah, as you mentioned, this is, I like saying, this is everything I know, like entrepreneurship and hustling and, and, hyper growth and, and startup worlds. It's, it's what I've done my whole life. And it's basically what I know. And I started my career uh, in fintech when fintech wasn't even sexy a while ago. And after that, it was my internship I did in fintech. I, I went and I finished my internship in Rappi. Rappi is one of Latin America's biggest unicorns. It's a, it's a, one of our, of, our, of our key startups right now in the region. Uh, and I started in Rappi when Rappi was basically nothing. Uh, I had the opportunity of, of building there for over five years, uh, lived in Mexico for over a year, uh, lived in Brazil for, for two years, almost two years, and launched Rappi Bank in Brazil. That It was, it was uh, the best because I, I got to build and, and to experience a, basically building a fintech in another country. So, so it was an amazing experience. And after that, I came back to Colombia uh, and I led the expansion of the CPG supermarkets team. So I've been in 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 a in a huge part of 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 everything we've created around Rappi, a, a bit of CPGs, a bit of fintech, a bit of restaurants as well. And it's maybe what it, what has shaped what we're building right now in Morado. Uh, but previously, um, I would like to mention that this wasn't as easy as 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 I can tell it right now. But uh, my mother and, and my family always pushed me as, as an amazing Latina 
to to follow my dreams, to do what I built. Like my parents, when I started in Rappi, they didn't even understand what I did. <laughs> so <laughs> it was super funny. Like, Fintip, what's that? Like, I, you're giving away credit cards? Like, are you crazy? This is not <laughs> a bank. Like, what are you building? So they were always super supportive to me. Uh, they let me fly. And, and it's one of the main reasons I'm here right now, because they let me just live and experience my, my parents were, were at first super scared. They were like, hey, why are you applying to, I don't know, Coca-Cola, to McKinsey, to BCG? Well, I did apply to McKinsey and BCG, but I wasn't as accepted. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my first dream. So I ended up in the startup world just because, uh, not really because I was looking for it. And right now I cannot think of, of working any other, in, in any other area besides building in technology. So, so yeah, it's, it's all I've known. It's all I've done for the last couple of years. It's what I love. And it's really what, what you can see in the company we're building right now with Morado. Morado means purple in Spanish. So if you don't understand, Hey, what's that name? That's so weird. Like it's, it's just a color purple in Spanish. Uh, whenever we go to Brazil, I don't know what I'm going to do because Morado <laughs> doesn't mean anything in, <laughs> in Brazil as well. They'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. We'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, it's 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 what we've been building for the last eleven months. We started Morado from and and super excited for what's to come. And and we really feel and we leave the culture of 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 building, of hustling, of really using technology to solve problems specifically in our region. And and super excited. Yeah, you know, um, I want to dive into Rappi in a little bit, but just thinking about you know originally wanting to go into consulting because that probably seemed like the smart thing to do and the popular thing to do and something that would offer you tons of stability. Uh, Like you said, you kind of did a full 180 and said, okay, let's try this fintech thing. And then you end up at Api working on groceries and delivery and different payment systems, specifically in the tech space. And then now you're in the beauty industry. Um, Do you feel like your calling was always to end up in the beauty industry? I know you have a really interesting kind of journey to to discovering this this problem set um within beauty but i'm curious if you know your personal passion and your love of the beauty industry um in your own life was always kind of at the center of huh maybe one day i should be working at a beauty company or maybe one day i could be whatever Mm. the cmo or the cpo uh, of another beauty startup um curious if if you could trace back some of those thoughts there i think if you if you would ask me ten years ago where should I be today, I would have never answered that I'll be building a beauty company. Like never in my life. I I love beauty. I, I really feel it, but I'm not an obsessed uh, a person that's obsessed with skincare or anything like that. I am now, but because of the business. But I think that what I have answered in that moment it would be like a, I will be really helping women or making an impact around women. The beauty industry gives me uh, an amazing ability to really build around women, to really help women. And and yeah, I, I think that that's the re- the number one reason we're building in the beauty industry. Uh, besides now that we love it and, and we find it amazing. But at the beginning, it was just that. 84% of the, the Latin community in, in I don't know, the, the workforce of the beauty industry in Latin America is composed by women. So that's a huge and impressive number. Five years ago, it was 92%. But wow. right now, we have so many barber shops and so many barbers getting into the beauty industry. Men's that grooming, men's skincare. Yeah. Yes. 
more guys are coming and, and getting into beauty and that's amazing. So it used to be 92%, right now it's 84%, but that's a hell lot. So when I ask myself, how do I impact so many women with, with a solo shot, with an only company and what better industry to do this than in the beauty industry? We are not here to, to get you look prettier. We're here to, to, get, to, to help women have more opportunities and make them feel better with themselves. Make, make them want to reach towards beauty to, to, because they love it, because they love dressing up, not because they feel pressured to do it. And we really think we can, we can help women through it. So, so yeah, it's funny. It's funny that we got here. Uh, and, and, but basically, Moral right now, yeah, it's a beauty company, but we have a huge fintech backbone. Our number one mission is to help women in Latin America through their beauty businesses, have access to more money, have access to grow their businesses in order for them to make their own personal decisions. We really believe that if you have control of your financials, if you have control of your money, you have control of your decision. So we want to get more money in the hands of women for this woman to make their own decisions. Yeah. And yeah, the beauty industry is all around it. And we want everyone to make money and sell products and learn to sell products. And, and that's what we're building here. We love speaking with such dynamic founders because you wanted to start your career in consulting and just the way you're talking about the kind of impact you're making, you know, on your clientele, you are a consultant, right? You're trying to uh, yeah. kind of get in the weeds with them, figure out better revenue sources, more revenue opportunities, right? Um, and I think one part of your story that I really am fascinated by is you became a certified manicurist and pedicurist yourself. Um, and I think that yes. that really was That's to understand <laughs> that was to understand your clientele better, right? To really be sitting side by side, doing the the proper training and protocol, and kind of get the respect too, right, yeah. of the people that you're trying to sell to. Um, totally. Tell me about that experience, and tell me about some of those relationships you've built, and how they really informed maybe the the foundation of Morado. As you mentioned, I really. I, I really wanted to understand why whenever I went to do my nails, the manicurist, the nail artist didn't sell me a dollar. And that was my first obsession. Like, hey, you have my attention for over 45 minutes <laughs> with my hands. Captive audience. Yeah. I cannot use my cell phone, anything, and you don't sell me a dollar? Like, I literally couldn't believe that. At that moment, I was selling Ravi and I came to Ravi and it's a funny story. And I was like, hey, guys, I have an idea. Let's have all the beauty salons in Latin America download Rappi and we pay those people for downloading Rappi. Like, let's, let's build something around that. And everyone was like, hey, Angela, you're crazy. Like, <laughs> shut up. Get back to work. <laughs> yeah. So I was always super intrigued and, and bullish on how can I really make this woman sell me something? Like, hey, please sell me something. <laughs> and it's weird. And, 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 and I applied to Latitude at that moment while I was still in Rappi. For those of you who don't know, Latitude is basically a kind of white combinator for Latin American founders. It's, it's an amazing opportunity for, for Latin American founders to really understand what do they want to build? How do they want to start their company? Eh, check it out. I love it. Eh, so I applied to Latitude and we were, and I was accepted and, and I went to Latitude with this idea, but the first idea was building a, an Airbnb for beauty salons. It was called Moral, but it was kind of a rent a chair because uh -huh. I was like, hey, you can earn more money for that chair you have there that, that no one is using. You can earn more money for that 
a, a nail chair or you can rent it or I, I was always super ambitious on getting more money into the hands of these beauty salons owners and 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 nail artists and everyone so yeah after that and after I really thought that that we couldn't build a company a huge company around this Airbnb model and I started getting into the supply chain I literally just dedicated myself to understand why didn't they sell products? Like, hey, it's okay. I understand you don't want to rent your chair, but now let me know why don't you sell products to Angela, to Melody, to Wendy, to to whoever's sitting in front of you? And their number one reason was, we don't know how do we buy products that Angela is willing to buy. Uh-huh. We don't have money to buy products that we just think Angela is willing to buy. Uh, and maybe what what happens if Angela doesn't buy the product that I think she has bought, she she wants to buy. So so the main reason and we started building around this was hey let's build something where a hairdresser where a nail artist can 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 just get in and understand hey depending on your location of the seasonality of the year Modal recommends you to buy. One, two, three, four, five. And I literally recommend you to buy these products because I know you're going to be able to sell them. So, so yeah, g- getting into this class, I was a person in, in, the, in, in the class that obviously was talking all the time. I don't know how did I even graduate. The instructor was, was like, okay, you're going to need to go in a different room now. <laughs> like, shut up. You're talking too much. And I bet you that nowadays he sees me and... Because it was it was a guy and a girl um, that was that was surprising to me as well. A guy teaching us how to how to do nails. It was it was something funny. And when they see me, my professors, I say, "Hey, now I get why this girl was talking too much to everyone. She she really had something going on. She wasn't interested just in learning. She really wanted to get to know everyone else." And and nowadays, I talk with some of my peers. It was a three day course, a four day course. But I talk with them and, and, and I invite them to our office and, hey, how you're doing? What are you seeing? They use Moral. They're our number one clients. And, and they, use, they use us for that reason. They get into Moral. They understand what's trending, what Moral is recommending uh, for them to buy. They buy it and they sell it. And for yeah. me, that's, that's mission accomplished. Well, that's really having understanding your client, your user. 100%. Tell us more about the business model itself um, because, you know, I was perusing the Murado page, uh, see lots of different offerings now, including body stuff, hair stuff, nail stuff, you know, you name it, the 360 mm-hmm. package, right, for the beauty industry. How are you working with those big brands to get them in the hands of those small business owners? Oh. Um, if you could kind of break down even your philosophy of the business itself, uh, that would be much appreciated. Yes, we work directly with the brands and it's basically because Morado gets the brand's product into cities, into locations that no one else gets there. And why? Because I don't know, a big brand isn't focused on getting their product into every corner of Colombia, you know? They they prefer selling in the big retailers, selling to the high-end salons. But what happens with the mid-tier salons? No one gets there. But the main reason they don't get there is because the big brands ask these mid-sized salons for a minimum order value. So if you want to buy, and I don't want to mention a big brand, but you can imagine all these big beauty brands, they all work with us. So if you want to buy directly to a big beauty brand, you got to buy at least $100, for example. $100 of only their product. So if you buy, uh, I don't know, 20 brands, imagine buying 
$2,000. That's a lot. That's unimaginable for one of these stores. So in Moral, they can buy from $1 through, through whatever they want. And they have access to an amazing catalog, to two or even same-day delivery dates. They have access to credit. And, and they, they, they're having access to buying products that they didn't even imagine they, they were going to be able to buy. When we launch products, brands, big brands and small brands and emerging beauty brands, they all work with us. When they want to launch a product eh, to, our, to our client base, they go directly to us and they tell us, hey, eh, I don't know, five years ago, this product, when we launched it, it, it wouldn't arrive to this city until three months after. Right now, everyone's having access to new products, to trending products, to promotions eh, at the same time. And that is basically what we consider ourselves. Moral is the bridge between beauty brands and mid-tier beauty shops. Beauty shops, barber shops, nail spas, nail salons, eh, however, barber shops, whatever you want to call these beauty businesses, we are the bridge that can only be built through technology. So we collect all the data of the catalogs of all the brands that work in Latin America. Right now we work over, uh, with over 500 brands um, and we directly, with technology, sell all these products to all these thousands of, of, of beauty businesses. And that's basically our business, like getting, getting everyone in the beauty industry, giving all of them access to whatever product they have always dreamed of buying. Because maybe you don't have the money to buy it, but you have the client to uh -huh. apply that product to. So you, you go to Moral Credit, you ask for a credit, and then you, you can have access to a product that, that your client wanted, but that you didn't have the money to buy. So you, you have a better, a broader catalog of products, of services, sorry, and of products as well, and you make more money. So it, it's just a flywheel. It's a circle. We are not inventing anything. They're just building through technology this bridge to have these millions of brands one day talking to millions of beauty businesses, and this can only be built uh, through tech. Yeah, and just to go over some of those numbers again, you mentioned you work with over 500 brands uh, across one, you know, thousands of mid-tier beauty businesses, and I, as I understand it, you're across 100 cities in Colombia uh, with the intention to expand into other countries in Latin America, next up Mexico. Um, Correct. Right. And I'm curious, you know, you mentioned the advisory piece, uh, which I find fascinating, where you want to help these small business owners understand, hey, this will be a surefire hit. If you offer this conditioner, whatever, there's a there's a guarantee almost in place. I'm curious how all that data was aggregated, right? Like upon launch, how did you have that catalog of information to say, Here's the top five list. Is that just based on SKUs that you see from a you know broader research perspective? Or did you get proprietary data to understand, hey, here's what sells, here's what works, here's what you should do? It's pure data, algorithms. At that beginning, and it's an algorithm that's going to be get better through time. We have some CDs that we, we don't even offer recommendations for now because we really want to be the best recommender of beauty products to these businesses so that they trust us. Okay. So the, the same algorithm keeps on nurturing, keeps on keep going well. We we not only take information from, from what happens inside Moral, we take information from what's happening all over the web, offline, online. There's things that are basics. For example, we had Barranquilla. It's a coastal city in Colombia. It has the biggest carnival ever. 
And we had beauty salons that didn't buy color extensions and didn't buy glitter. And it's like, hey, it's carnival. Why don't you buy glitter? Why don't you buy red lip glosses? Why don't you? And it was, they, they, they never thought about it. And, and it's, it's, it's the educational part of what we are building. Uh, and, and it's, it's, it's the, the huge bed we're working for. And, and yeah, it's hopefully in, in three years, we, we, we can, we can continue catching up and, and our algorithm will, would not only recommend five products, but 30 products per category, per, per, I don't know, microzone. We are literally working a lot around it. We have more than 15 developers working towards this algorithm. And that's what really differentiates us from just buying products. We tell you what to buy. We recommend you and we help you to sell more. And that's one of our main, our main value props. And to your point, it's not reinventing the wheel, right? It's the low-hanging fruit. It's the ample opportunity that's kind of staring at them in their faces. And yeah, I'm curious, you you mentioned that you have 15 developers working on the algorithm. How big is the Morado team now? We're 90. 90? We're 90. Wow. It's been a ride because we've only been building for 11 months. We're, we're having our one-year anniversary next month. Uh, but yeah, we're 90 right now. Lots of our tech, we have a tech hub in Argentina. So lots of our tech team is, is based in, in Argentina, in Buenos Aires. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to be growing the team a lot in the next couple of, of, of months. Because when I started, I really want to have everyone feel the day zero through the day 100, through the day 200. So I wasn't, I wasn't afraid of hiring the correct people or, or amazing hell yes people. And, and yeah, it's, it's an amazing team. I'm curious with working in the beauty industry, obviously you come from Rappi, which was large, you know, enormous by the time you left. Um, what are some recruiting principles or hiring principles that you brought along with you um, when, when you started your own company? I feel that like everyone needs to be a doer. And and then at an early stage startup, you gotta have generalists, but you gotta also have specialists. So I really focused on both of them. The first six months were full of generalists. Now we have people like I don't know, we have William that he has over 15 years working for L'Oreal, Steel Louder, Olaplex. Like uh, we have a really really nice team of specialists as well. I feel that what everyone needs to be a doer. Right. Regardless if they come from from consulting background, from banking background, from venture capital, whatever, they should be doers. And I really love everyone to be involved. It's one of the main reasons we're hybrid. Uh, we're hybrid, but there's people that uh, there's there's people that decide to to go every day to the office. I go every day to my office in Bogota. I go every day, and it's because it's it's the culture, it's the hustle, it's. It's wanting to be there because you love the brand. You love what you're working into because you're super excited of the projects you're building and you want to share with everyone. So I really take into account that there are people that, that work with me, that work in our team, really enjoy what they're doing. And I love taking a lot of care about it. It's, it's a hard one to build. It's really hard to have everyone happy. But I really, as a CEO, it's, it's one of my number one jobs. And I love really promoting culture and and. We have guys that have ne had never imagined they would end up Perfect. building and working in a in a beauty company, and now they love it. They know more than me, and, and that's that's what's amazing about about really seeing something grow. They see the impact. 
They see what's happening to the stores that work with us. They see the women that call us to say thank you, uh, to ask for help, to to get to know, to what's that thing, morale? What, I want to understand. I just heard about it. I want to understand. And, um, and that's a big part of the pie. Intrinsically, with the origin story of your business, and as you mentioned, 84% of beauty businesses in Latin America or beauty salons are run by women. Um, there's a natural female empowerment component, right, to Morado. How do you think about that when you look at your internal stakeholders and your team? Um, you're at 90 now. Do you have gender parity? Do you make sure that you but, want uh, female yeah. leadership at the top? How, how do you think those things through? I, when I, when I get this question a lot, and I always like to mention, like, even though I'm a female CEO, I see myself only as a CEO. And I like to see my team exactly like that. Because it's beauty. We, thankfully, get more female candidates than men. So right now, it's 82% women in my team. Wow. That's amazing. But wow. not because I decided I want to have 82% of my team women. No, it's because when I had the guy and the girl, the guy was better. And when I had the guy and the girl, the guy was better. So I always tell everyone that Morado should always have the best talent, regardless if it's a woman or a, or, or, or a guy. And that's how I look into myself and how I look into the future. When, when I get asked the question, hey, what female founder do you admire? I say, I always ask, ask after and I say, in what area? Because uh -huh. I don't admire a female founder because she's female. I admire the best person in that area. For example, between Lionel Messi and Marta, <laughs> I admire Lionel Messi. He's the number one soccer player in the world. So maybe someone doesn't agree <laughs> yeah. with me. Someone might fight you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I, and I can say Marta is also amazing, but she's not Lionel. And that's what I see when I'm recruiting my team, when, when I want to look up to someone I just look up to who's the best. And that's how we hire here. We hire who's the best. We have the fortune we get more female candidates and that's, that totally changes the, the, uh, the, the selection, for example. But, but yeah, we choose the best and my leadership team is, is made up of the best people, regardless if they're women or men. And we thankfully have a lot of women, amazing women as well, but we also have a lot of amazing men. As an early employee of Rappi, now being the solo founder of Morado, um, you clearly have a knack and, and you talking about, you know, the hiring process and finding top tier talent and being able to recruit top tier talent. It goes the other way as well, right? When you have these top candidates uh, looking for their next opportunity, wanting to join a high growth startup, but maybe they have a better offer, right, at a bigger tech company with more equity and more options. Um, what would you advise, you know, someone perhaps who's looking for a job at a morado? Uh, what should they be signing up for? What perhaps are kind of the blind spots or the hidden areas that um, someone may not be aware of uh, when they're joining, especially a high growth startup in Latam? Something I didn't knew when I was starting the company is that the mission of the company was going to really impact my day by day life. Uh, and right now, when I recommend someone to join a company, I do feel there should be a founder market fit, but as well an employee market fit. Uh, right now, times are tough, you know, and building a company from, from scratch is super tough. 
And it makes a little bit easier to at least be in an, being in an industry that you really love, that you really enjoy. If you ask myself right now, I totally prefer being be building in the beauty industry that maybe, I don't know, the automobile industry that I don't, I, I could learn, but, but I don't, I, I don't feel like it's something that moves me. So that will be the number one trigger. Uh, previous years, I've seen a lot of amazing candidates being crushed into companies that they don't, they don't feel the mission of the company. And nowadays, I do feel that this is so hard and it's only getting harder. And you got to be here for the correct reasons. And one of the correct reasons is checking if you have that employee or founder market fit. For me, that's super important. You got to enjoy what you're doing. Because if, if not, if, if you really don't like the industry, you're only doing it maybe for the equity, for the money, it's not going to last. And okay. I'm not here to... to What I was not here for two or three years. We're here for 20, 25, 30, 40 years. So when you think long run, you want to have people in your team that also think long run. And, and it's a hard one to have someone compromise your company. They don't like the industry they're building for. And at the beginning, when we started Moral, that wasn't my first option. Like, eh, I didn't feel the mission would transform the way I worked, the, work, the, the way I, I felt a company that the, the harder the days got, Uh, the better it was to be building in an industry that helps someone, mm. helps someone. I, I built something that I don't care if it's a hundred people or a million, but we are helping someone to have a better life. And I think that everyone, at least in your leadership team, should be aligned to this. Uh, and I, I would suggest to everyone that's looking to get into a startup that, that think about it. Maybe, maybe you don't want to be building code because you just want to build code. No. We have amazing people in our tech team that really enjoy our mission, that thrive through our mission, and, and it makes it easier. It makes it more enjoyable because you yeah. work hard and it, it's hard. Exactly. It's hard and sometimes can feel like um, a grind, right? So you have to be able right. to be fully committed to the hustle um, in order to succeed. Uh, in addition to those internal stakeholders, you have some really illustrious external investors, right, that you report to, that you have relationships with. Let's talk a little bit about fundraising, the highs and the lows. Um, very impressively, Tiger and H20 Capital co-led your $5 million pre-seed round uh, a year ago. Andreessen, QED, Latitude are among your other investors. And I think what maybe is most impressive in my vantage point is that you have angel investors on your cap table, including the founders of Rappi itself, Frubana, uh, Tool, Truora, Cheaper, um, basically these names are synonymous with success in tech in LATAM. I'm so curious. It sounds like you got your validation from a lot of your mentors and your peers, right? And even folks who had built really successful, sustainable businesses. Did that help with your confidence level as you were thinking about, you know, I know you were moonlighting at Rappi while you were also working on Morello um, to take that full leap Did it help to have all of these folks yes. in your ear being like, we believe in you, Angela, like you can do it. Yes. And, and I think that I did believe it, but it was a bit hard for me to make the decision of quitting Rappi because Rappi was my baby. It is my baby. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I, I left my life there and having my own, my own boss and the people that really build with me and build this amazing company with me and know that what my work was worth telling me that not only was I going to be capable to do it, but that 
we were going to be capable of building a, an amazing team, an amazing company, fundraising, making an impact. It did make me feel extremely happy. And I love my angel table because the people who are there are people that know my work. They are not there for the recognition. They are not there for the money. They are there because they hired me. They work with me. They delegated tasks to me. They know what I was capable of building in Mexico, in Brazil, that I live with Andres. I went, when I went to live in Brazil, I didn't even know Portuguese. Yeah. I was 23 years old. I didn't even know how to speak Portuguese. And I had to build a team of 100 hunters. And only Andres Bilbao would have supported that idea. And I did, and it was amazing. And it, it was one of the most amazing impacts I have I've, I've had in my career. And he was part of my cap table. So having these people affirm that, hey, I know because I have literally built with her. I've seen her build a company from scratch. It, it was super fortunate. It was super fortunate. But also something I'd like to mention is I didn't have that, that obsession of, of maybe knowing uh, what I was capable of building. So when I got in the meetings with BCs and all that, I didn't know the industry so much. When right. I was in Rappi, I, I wasn't, I, I didn't took part a lot in, in investments or in fundraising. So this was new for me. If I had known what fundraising really <laughs> meant at that moment, I would be scared, but completely scared. <laughs> like everyone was pushing me, but I wasn't know what they were pushing me into. Yeah. Like, hey, I don't know, grab a call with Andreessen and grab a call with Tiger Global and, and everyone. And, and I was like, yeah, I'm having a call with an investor. And then I started learning what these amazing names meant and what I, that I really wanted them to be part of my cap table that nowadays I love all of them. I love all of my investors. I work with them a lot. It's, it's, it was really smart money and not easy money. Uh, they really have skin in the game. They they really suggest, speak, help me with everything from recruiting through operations. And I'm super happy to have all of them, but I'm also super fortunate that at that moment, I wasn't scared at all because <laughs> I, I didn't know the magnitude about what I, who I had in front of me, you know? And it's funny. It's funny. Sometimes knowing a bit less uh, makes you have less mental barriers. And that has happened a lot to me in, in the different steps of my career. Uh, when I went to Brazil to build a bank in, in the biggest country in Latin America, you know, uh, I was super young. I, I didn't know was that, that I was going to be competing with Mercado Libre, with iFood. Mercado Libre was building Mercado Pago when we were launching Rappi Bank. Oh. And, and that's what has gotten me here. So, so I would suggest everyone to just take the jump. Take the job and you'll see and you'll figure it out. But the important is, is, is always having that, that support of pushing you and, and taking the job and then you'll get it through. Not everyone, of course, is as fortunate, right, to have had, to your point, um, a lot of people just really backing you and believing with 200% confidence in you. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious if you can share any specific I, I love that point you made about ignorance is bliss sometimes and going in blind can better equip you and not psych yourself out. But I am curious when you think about some of those uh, VC conversations, um, did you what did you ever feel disadvantaged, you know, not only being um, a non-US based founder, not only being a woman, I'm curious if there were any elements that that come to mind as 
huh, I sort of feel imposter syndrome or I feel a level of less than? Um, or did you feel a lot of conviction and confidence all the way through? I was super convicted because of what I mentioned before, that I've always compared myself to the best, yeah. regardless if it's a woman or, 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 a, or a guy. Uh, but there have been times in my life where I have to prove myself and prove others that I was capable of doing something. An example perfect for this is prove myself in the beauty industry. My background in the beauty industry is zero. <laughs> and, it's a, and, it, and it's an industry where your background really, really weighs and really has an importance. And having a big beauty name in, in, in your CV, in your LinkedIn, whatever, it, 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 it builds a lot of confidence. So that was one that I had to prove a lot. But what I did to prove that one was bring the best people on board in my team. Uh, I can say that I never felt when I was fundraising, uh, never felt less for being a woman. And the no's that I got, because I also got a lot of no lots of no's uh, from amazing VCs as well <laughs> that I'm still finding and that I still want them and want their smart money in my, in my cap table. It was never because I was a Latina. It was never because I was a solo founder. It was never because I was a woman. It was for other different reasons or whatever, but I never felt less because of being a woman or because of being a Latina. And I think that we, I was able to win those conversations because if you enter a call with a VC thinking that you're already less, that call is lost. But what I, I entered those calls knowing that no one in that conversation knew more about my business than me. That even though I didn't have that previous amazing experience in beauty, no one had done a nail artist certification. Uh, <laughs> <color>. Exactly. <laughs> like I was that person in the room that really knew her business and that gave me the confidence necessary. You should, as a founder, when you're fundraising or not, like, doesn't matter. You should always be the person that most knows about your business in the room. And that made, me that made me super confident. Before building Morado, I knew that what I was building existed, that what I was building was needed, that there was a product market fit for my product. And that gave me the confidence necessary. I know my business. I know my industry. I know my user because I've been my user. So I know my user. And that gave me a lot. That gave me a lot to feel confident about. Angela, I want to get a manicure from you. I feel like we need to make that <laughs> The worst. I didn't know anything. Oh, right. You didn't pay attention. <laughs> exactly. I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, when you think back on this last year, what an epic year full of milestones. Uh, but it had its fair share of macro hardships, right? And just thinking about the economic climate, um, which, of course, Latin America is privy to as well. I am curious about how you see growth moving forward um, just for the business itself, but also uh, what are you hearing from your own customers, right? Do you see repeat orders? Do you see it as, oh, they did a little beta test, but now maybe they'll just stick to what they know um, and kind of scale back because it doesn't feel like an exuberant time? Um, what, are you, what are you hearing and seeing? I think that more than for my customers, I think that there was never a better time to build than now. Everyone is heads down on execution. You don't even focus on competition. If your product and your company are really solving someone a problem, you're going to succeed. 
And if you have an amazing product market fit and you have users that love you, you're going to be in the top part of, 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 of money will follow that top companies. So I think it's a flywheel. And I always tell my team, we make our own luck. If we do things good, users love us, money will follow. We are not here to be always fundraising. We're here to make an amazing product that money will follow because it's a flywheel. If you build an amazing company with, ama with happy clients, it, you'll see the rest coming. So we are not afraid. We, we're, we're, super, we're super bullish on what's to come. We're super bullish on the industry. It's amazing. All the opportunities we're seeing, there's everything to be built in the beauty industry from inclusive makeup through, I can say, near shoring. Like, there's so much uh, that we're super bullish to be building in an industry that, that's still to be discovered. You know, it's, it's not the food tech industry that was discovered a while ago. Uh, maybe, I don't know, HR tech or AI that's now super hot. Uh, we're building in an industry that... Uh, it's it's super fun. It's it's everything to be built. Clients are users are, are 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 wanting to know more of what's happening. They want to learn. They want to investigate. They want to help. And that's something I loved about building in this industry that they know they need help. They they happen to be those users that just didn't want that help. So now they know they need help. They know they can be better by by accessing uh, the different tech features or whatever. So, so yeah, no, we're bullish and we're getting the same message from our investors and, and from other players in the industry. They're bullish that we're building here, that we're disrupting something new. And, and I should say that to, to all, all founders or maybe people wanting to, to, to take their job in this crisis market, yeah. take it. There's never been a most amazing time to build because users are going to follow the real companies, the real value propositions and there's like things are not as loud as they were two years ago. It's it's super. Everyone's focused on what they're building on building a real value prop, and and I really love those type of companies. And the cream will rise to the top, right? Yeah, um, exactly. No matter no matter the climate. Um, as we think about this podcast series called Latina Luminaries, um, we named it that because we want to hear about the people who have illuminated your path. So if you could share one or two folks that you feel like have paved the way for you to dream bigger, and then also would love to hear um, who you're trying to be a lighthouse for, who in your life, if there's anyone specific or if there's any group of people, do you feel like you're paving the path for? For me, there was a before and an after. Cristina Junqueira, co-founder of Nubank, had her IPO. When I saw that woman with sure. three kids on board, building that amazing company as a Brazilian, that was life-changing for me. It was like, hey, she did it, I can do it. And that's part of what I, I, I love to say, we're building in public in Morado, and it's the number one reason we're doing it, because I thought that was, that was just talking. Like when someone said, hey, eh, <laughs> I saw her and I thought it happened to me. And you when had that the moment, me, yeah, I had that moment. I thought, hey, maybe I don't know. There's two people from the millions of Latinas out there that can feel inspired by my journey, and I love building in public. I love sharing my errors. I love sharing also not my errors. You gotta celebrate yourself to inspire other people, and that's hard at the beginning. It's always hard 
uh, to celebrate yourself, but now I'm just used to it. I celebrate myself. I celebrate my team. I celebrate my errors. And I really think we're paving the way to other C female CEOs. I want to see more CEOs. I don't want to see girls in the leadership team as the HR girl, as a marketing girl. I literally want to see all those women leading the best top tier companies in the region. And, and yeah, besides those, those women that want to be CEO, eh, we're also day by day working to inspire women who never felt inspired by anything that mm -hmm. felt that the beauty industry was just a way of living, not a way of thriving. And we really want to empower all these nail artists and, and, and let them know that they, 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 they have value, that they can grow, that they can be rich and make their own decisions, but most specifically that they can make their money and their living from what they love. Most of them were in the beauty industry and failed ashamed of working in the beauty industry. That happened a lot. A lot of Venezuelans came to Colombia to be nail artists and, and manicurists and pedicurists just because that, that was the only thing they knew and And they feel like, no, I'm only doing this. And now they see Morao. They see that there's this company that, that really understands them, that wants them to grow through their manicurist. If, if that's what they've decided to do, well, that's amazing. Make their, your money and your living through that. And if we can help, I don't know, one, two, three, five women eh, through Morado, eh, that will make my day. And, and that's what we're here for. I know you already are. Um, your passion is so palpable for Morado. So this might be a difficult Final question to end on, but if you weren't building Morado, what would you be doing? I think I would be doing something that had a lot of impact. Uh, maybe if I wasn't building Morado, I'll be building something in Femtech. I love that industry. Whenever I see someone building in something in Femtech, I'm like, hey, that's hard. <laughs> like, I admire them a lot. Uh, or maybe I would just be consulting. But... One day, maybe 40 years from now, I, 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 I haven't done my MBA. It's one of my dreams. I want to do it. I don't care if I'm 50 years old with four kids. I want to do my MBA. I want to have that experience. I want to go into consulting. I'm not afraid. I want to be a lawyer as well. Right now, I'm an economist. So I, don't feel, I feel like age is just a number and life is just getting started for me. So... Yeah, I feel like I could be working with Al for 30 more years, but then my life would start again. And, and I don't know, I don't know, we'll catch up, but I have a lot in mind. Oh, man, you're a true inspiration. Thank you so much, Angela, for joining us today on the podcast. No, thank you, Melody, for inviting me into this amazing podcast. Super happy to share our story.